Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Real Talk, where I say the things that people merely think about um, with love, because I believe that's a huge problem in the world today is people don't know what they don't know. And so today I'm really going to dive deep into the spiritual warfare that a lot of people have scales on their eyes to, especially believers. Um, so make sure you lean into this. Um, and most importantly, just believe. Also, if you would like and subscribe to this podcast, you can get the latest updates and be sure to get signed up for the next at the well retreat, May 5th through the 7th, 2023 in Maria Stein, Ohio, the spots filled halfway on the first day. So don't miss it, friends. Live callers uh, that are calling in to ask us some marriage wisdom from our, we've been married 17 years. Actually, this coming April, we've been together for 20. Can you believe that, honey? Awesome. 20 years, 20 years. Um, and, um, so this episode, um, I brought my husband on as a guest to answer questions live. Cause something that we're really passionate about is marriage and helping uh, marriages, not just survive, but thrive. Okay. So we have some questions that people have sent us, but I'm going to go ahead and go to our live callers real quick. And we're just going to get right to it. Cause I know everybody it's Friday and you have places to go. And I really just appreciate you coming on. So I'm going to unmute this person right here. It doesn't show your name. It just has your phone number 7762022. I'm not sure if it's going to let me unmute you. Asked, here we go. Okay. Hello. Hello, caller. This is Rachel. How can we help you? It's unmuted, but I don't hear him. Can you hear hey, us? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Go ahead. All right. Hey, so we had a question about, um, our question was, I'm here with my wife, Amanda. And our question is, so marriage through addiction, financial hardship, and then how you forgive and forget. Awesome. Well, all of those things. <laughs> We have dealt with <laughs> all those things. Um, so do you mind if I start, honey? Sure. So I say the Lord's Prayer every single morning before I open my Bible. And that Lord's Prayer in a nutshell is really all about um, forgiveness, right? And so it's, you know, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, right? So with all the trials that Kurt and I have gone through and the attacks um, on our marriage, um, I've made a decision in the beginning of the day that I'm going to forgive ahead of time. So when the, the accuser, right, the Satan is the accuser of the brethren, will happen to use my husband's mouth. Um, I know it's not flesh and blood I'm dealing with, right? It's principalities. There's a scripture about that. It says it's not flesh and blood we're dealing with and that the enemy is after your marriage. 
So if you're not getting attacked in your marriage, there's probably a very dominant spouse that there's no conflict going on. Cause there's just probably one dominant spouse and, uh, in the marriage and there's no conflict because of that. So when you have two spouses, both like, you know, when you're both working, you're both have businesses or whatever, forgiveness is a choice. Okay. And when you hold on, and this is from my own perspective, and it, this is what actually almost killed me. This is what put me on my deathbed was unforgiveness and bitterness. I let it take root. And I realized I can't say that, you know, Jesus is Lord and walk around telling everybody I'm a Christian. If I'm not going to offer forgiveness to them, because what that does is it releases the other person and it frees me. So it gives me freedom from that. The addiction part. So Kurt and I both come from backgrounds of addiction, right? Generational curses. And for us, we just had to make a decision. Like we were going to make a, a decided heart that we were cutting all generational curses in our life. Divorce was one of them. Like no more divorce in our, in our bloodline, no more addiction in our bloodline, no more alcoholism in our bloodline, no more small mindedness in our bloodline. Okay. And so when we gave our life to Christ, like he got my heart because I didn't have a daddy. I mean, my daddy just wasn't in my life, right? He wasn't a present father. He wasn't, you know, a loving father. So when I met my heavenly father, I went all in. And so I'm the one that really started first and gave my heart to Jesus. And I started my walk. I had a mentor, you know, that I would call and she, she basically kept me in my marriage. So as far as that goes, I would say James chapter one talks about consider it joy when we go through trials because it creates perseverance in us. And so you, you keep, and this is the one thing that my spiritual mother, Carolyn said to me every single time I'd call her. Cause I, I would call her to tell on Kurt. Right. And, and every time I was like, this is the time she's going to say, yep, you can go. This is it. But she never did. So here's what she would say. Keep on going. Keep on going. Right. <laughs> and so for me, I stayed in because I love Jesus. I love Jesus first. Jesus has my heart. I stayed because Jesus wanted me to stay. I didn't, I couldn't stand him. I couldn't even stand to look at him because he was an evil guy. He was evil. He was arrogant. He was an addict. He was abusive. I couldn't stand him. And I'm like, you want me to stay here? And he's like, I got a plan. So it's really about trust. It's about forgiveness because you were forgiven. Our sins were atoned on the cross. Right. And so that's something that I really think about when I'm like, I'm holding on to forgiveness, which it, it not only affects me, it affects the whole. So anything I do, cause him and I are one affects the whole. So what do you have to say, honey? Do you have anything different to say? Um, I mean, I would just think, you know, what I love what you said is that, you know, you, when you have a decided heart and you're like, Hey, listen, there's the story and I'm not going to tell the whole story here, but I love, you know, the concept of the burn the boats mentality, like the story of, you know, the person that was going to get, you know, the treasure and no one had ever been able to get the treasure. And I think about that as like no one in our family line had ever been able to stay married, you know, right? Rachel comes from her mom being married and divorced multiple times and divorced before me twice. Rachel was, my dad has been married three or four times. My mom, they, 
that they jokingly call her Anita Clark Tucker Smith because she's been married three times. And I'm like, I don't want to play that game. And so, you know, that, that, uh, that person that sailed to get the treasure, he had to make a decision and tell his men, listen, what nobody else has been willing to do, we're going to be willing to do because when they pulled up to the island where the treasure was, the thing that he had him do was burn their boats. Meaning that, you know, hey, listen, the only way that we're leaving this island with the treasure is going to be by taking their boats, not by our boats. Because if you always have an option B, if you always have a kind of a mindset of, well, if it doesn't work out, I believe that today many people go into marriage with that already mindset. Well, you know, if it doesn't work out, I can always get a divorce or I can always do this or my friend so and so and so. That's why I think if you're a married woman, how important it is or married men to hang out with other married couples, especially those who have strong marriages, because the wisdom that you will get will be far different when you are seeking wisdom and advice, like Rachel said a second ago, that when you call somebody that has a great marriage, you're going to get great wisdom. Stay, keep going. You can do it. Pray, pray for him forgive, whatever, versus, ah, you know, don't worry about it. Hey, meet me at the bar for a drink. Let's talk about it or whatever, right? So when you go into this thing called marriage with the mindset that we're going to make this thing stick because it's not even about us, it's generational. It's we're going to do things differently. And so if you have that mindset that there is no plan B, it is option A and option A only, like now that changes the game. You know, so for me, when we get in fights, when we get in spats, when we have to go retreat to our opposite corner and maybe a day goes by, two two days go by, you know, I'm not sitting there by myself, you know, with all these thoughts of, well, what will life look like without Rachel and all these different things? I mean, we just had this happen in, in the last week or two, right, honey? I mean, you know, we're real. But I'm going back to my corner and praying to God and saying, hey, God, you know, what is it? What do I need to change? What do I need to fix? And I'm still locked in on the vision of what my life looks like with my wife for the next 40, 50 years. Like I'm thinking about those goals. You know, I'm not like some people, oh, well, what happens after the kids leave? Then what are we going to do? No, man. After the kids leave here in two years, Rachel and I are going to travel the world together. We're going to live on the beach like my mind is focused there, not on the problem. So, you know, my, my point is whether you're going through an addiction, whether you've gone through, you know, some of these issues that you've talked about is get a vision in your mind for where you want this thing called marriage for you to go in the future and paint the best picture. Because many of us tend to paint a picture of doom and gloom. And when you lock in on that vision, you burn the boats and you're 100% committed that is how you create a beautiful marriage, in my opinion. So, And really, the last thing I want to say is I knew intuitively because I, you know, I went in this Jesus thing all in. I didn't fence ride it. I went all in, started reading my Bible. God, the Lord placed my spiritual mom in my life. And I didn't focus on Kurt. It was never a prayer of change, Kurt, change, Kurt. It was change me, change me, because I'm the only one that has control over me. I don't have control over what Kurt was doing, whether he was, you know, and that's one of the things I think when you marry un- unequally yoked, you know, and the, the wife's always nagging the husband, you know, why don't you go to church and what, you know, that it, there's a proverb talks about nagging wife. Right. So it, it's really about focus on yourself and 
you know, a praying wife's a dangerous woman. I mean, when the husbands, so it's, you know, we're to submit to our husbands and when our husbands are submitted to God, it's way easier. Right. But it doesn't say don't submit if he's not, if he's not submitted because we're, we get blessed because we're obedient and then just submitting to um, God. Right. So here's what I want to say though. This is what came to my mind is resist the devil, resist the devil and he will flee. So what's the resisting the devil look like? Resisting the devil looks like love. Resisting the devil looks like offering forgiveness because that's love and see unforgiveness and bitterness. See ourselves respond to our thoughts, which creates what in our bodies dis ease. And this is how the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But when we can offer love, you know, Jesus is hanging on the cross after being brutally beaten. And he's like, forgive them because, because they don't know, right. Forgive them. And that's the same kind of love that we should offer to our, 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 our most important earthly relationship. And so it's really resisting the devil and he will flee. And, you know, there's these laws of love and I must, are you, do you have any more questions before I put you back on mute? Um, no, well, no, not, you guys pretty much, pretty much covered, covered it all. I did have a question about like children, kind of the same, same lines, you know, when you're, when your kids are young and then your marriage is a little bit wild, there's like damage done. Then how do you undo that? I guess you could say. And when you break those generational curses, you still have to undo things that, you know, you did or said to your kids. Mm. So you create new memories. That's what we had to do because I remember, you know, my two oldest kids were a little bit older. So they saw some of the abuse you know, there was lots of yelling and anger in our home, even when Carson and Carly were really, really small. And so we had to create new memories. And I, you know, we're, Paul tells us, the apostle Paul tells us that we're not to look back, you know, and there's a couple of places in the Bible, like don't look to the left. Proverbs 4, 25, I think says, don't look to the left, don't look to the right. Look forward. Don't look back. You know, this is history. Tomorrow's a mystery. That's why today is a gift, right? It's called the present, right, honey? Right. Yeah. So that is, you know, and then also training them up. It's not a do as I say, it's a do as I do. So let your kids see you praying together. Let your kids see you loving each other. Let your kids see you um, encouraging each other, you know, let them see that and then create that environment of peace and really just make a decision that you're not going to discuss things in front of them. It's not their burden, you know, your fights are not their fights. And, um, that will cause, you know, stress and and things in your kids too. So that's what I would say. I think that's, I think that's, I think that's great. Uh, because, you know, the mind, you know, never forgets, right. It's designed to keep storage of things. And that's why one of the things that they teach people how to get over, you know, trauma, things that's happened to you, you know, maybe it's something that happened to you as a kid, you know, being molested, you know, somebody did something to you, you know, whatever, you know, think about the things that people go through in life is you're, you're, you will never forget those things. So if they're causing you anxiety, if they're causing you depression, they're causing you fear, worry, doubt, all these negative emotions, bitterness, unforgiveness, you have to, you know, 
take what has happened to you and change the meaning. Okay. You know, you have to, you're like, I'm not the dad that I am today and love my kids with such passion. Probably one of the reasons why I do let them slip and Rachel gets mad at me, but I'm not the dad that I am today. If my dad wasn't the way he was to me living in that environment where I was fearful all the time and the abuse and the alcoholism and all those things. Right. So I'm thankful that I grew up the way I grew up and I went through the struggles that I went through because it makes me every single day want to be better. And so I can't do anything to change the past. But, you know, if you create new meanings in your kid's life, you know, where as they're young, especially like ours were, eventually, you know, you they're going to forget about those things that happen and what they're going to remember you for your marriage, for your influence as a mom or a dad is for what you're doing now, not what you did, you know, then. And the enemy wants to try to get us to be stuck in the past. We just don't live there. That's the reason why, once again, everything that I do and I talk about starts with a vision. You know, you have to begin no different than in your marriage to look like, hey, what's the vision for my kids relationship look like? What changes do I want to make? So good questions. Good questions. Thank you so much. All right. Let's uh, there's another caller here and then we'll get to our questions that people sent us. Let me ask to unmute here. Ask to unmute. Or the 417 number can unmute itself. Oh, wait. Just click on you. Okay. Okay. So what I'm going to do then is, oh, here we go. Hello. You're yep. on live. Hi. How can we help you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, first, I want to say I, the first question was really speaking to me as well. That was just really, really good stuff. That was awesome. Good. Um, can you Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, okay. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. My question is, um, what are some best practices for managing finances or budget? My, my wife and I, we know that it's important, but um, it just hasn't been kind of in the front of mind. And um, how do we kind of make that more of a priority or what are some creative ways to just make sure we're being a good steward with the resources that we have? Go ahead, honey. <laughs> She's like, let me take this one. Well, I mean, I think, you know, in my opinion, I think, you know, the men should lead the finances in their family. That's just my opinion, uh, because we are the leader of the family. And so sometimes I think fights happen um, because, you know, uh, a man can get a little... um, you know, their their wife's they're making the money, but the wife's stewarding the money. They're paying the bills. They're they're all those different things, and there's some incongruence there. But I think it starts with you guys sitting down together and really talking about once again, what's the vision? What's the goals? What are we committed to? What are our values? And then from there, you can begin to start developing a vision for your finances. And so you know, we've had both spectrums where we've been absolutely financially like broke, cars repossessed, house foreclosed on food stamps, literally less than $400 in the bank account. And that's when we started Faith Driven Fitness, you know, years ago. And that's also when we begin to start tithing. 
That's when Rachel came to me and said, hey, honey, I think we're doing a lot of things right, um, but we have yet to begin to start giving to the Lord. So if you're watching this, you know, the best way to begin to start managing your finances is to get a vision for the things that you want to have more of in your life and then commit you know, to begin to start living margins. And here's what I mean is your income will probably always fluctuate, at least for us as entrepreneurs. But even if you're if you're only making $2,000 a month right now, let's just say, and you're listening to this, and this is in my new book, I'm excited because this is something I love to, to teach on, is when we started tithing, it literally was, hey, look, we're making $400 a week. And Rachel was like, we need to start tithing. And I was like, $40 a week. Like, I was like, there's no way. There's no way we can do that, right? And so, you know, after I read Malachi 3.10, which basically says, you know, before that, that we need to stop robbing God. You know, so the reality is, is if you're listening to this and you're fighting over money, which causes issues in the marriage, other than money, kids, sex, maybe in-laws, those are the main things that cause friction in a marriage. And a lot of times it's money. And trust me, we still have these discussions, even with making the amount of money that we make today, we're super blessed, is to be able to say, hey, listen, I understand that it's not a debt that we owe, but it's a seed that we sow. And that God, God doesn't need your money, right? But if he can trust you with a little, he'll trust you with a lot. So the moment that we wrote that first $40 a week tithe check out of 2000, our life has never been the same. And we've been through losing businesses, high level incomes, and God has always restored us. So, you know, I think that if you make $2,000 a month, $5,000 a month, $10,000 a month, whatever it is, the first 10% of whatever it is that you earn, gross, not net, okay, you should commit to giving to your church. Mm-hmm. Then, so that's 10%. And what's nice about having it as a, as a 10% is it, it doesn't matter how much, if you, if you make more, well, then it just grows proportionally, right? The next 10% should be committed to saving, saving because we all need a savings account. You know, we all need money just in case, right? You know what I mean? Things are going to happen. And then we need 10% that we should invest in something long-term. Now, I don't have time to go into it on this call, but for me, the 10% that I would save would not go into a savings account at my bank where they give me 0.0000 nothing on my money. Let's just say even if it was 0.05% in a savings account. For us, we put you know, a certain amount of money each month into a whole life insurance policy that grows at about 5% interest a month that if we ever needed that money for anything, we could borrow against it and we get about 5% interest. So that's a whole nother topic, maybe a financial topic someday. So 10% tithe, 10% save, 10% invest. Now the 70% is what will you'll live on, take care of your bills, your home, so forth and so on. And as your income grows, if you stay with those ratios, as your income grows, because trust me, as you make more money, you will want to spend more money, right? You know what I mean? 
Now that 70% that you were spending on all your bills and your home and stuff, because if you're not making so much money, you kind of need that 70% to pay for your normal expenses, right? But as your income grows, you don't grow your expenses, right? You don't have to move into a double size of the house or all the fancy stuff. Now you can start to take some of that 70% and now you can start to invest more than 10%. And maybe that investment looks like, hey, I'm going to invest in myself and my personal development. I'm going to invest in a coach so that I can grow, right? I'm going to, you know, that should be your first investment, in my opinion, is in yourself. Because if you've only got $100 to invest, it's probably not going to do much for you. You should probably invest that in yourself, right? You know what I mean? But as your income grows, now you can take a bigger portion to invest in yourself, invest in certain things that you can grow wealth for, for your family. So, and then you just have to have a conversation and be willing to talk about it you know, that, hey, this is what we're committed to, you know, doing and and stick to it. So that would be what I would do is I would say live by the margins, you know, and as your income grows, but don't look at your tithe, my friends, trust me, as a debt that you owe, but look at it as a seed that you sow because he will bless you when you give. And if he can trust you a little, he'll, he'll trust you with a lot. So, so I have a, uh, Brianna asked the question, does tithing have to be to a church? So Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is where you get spiritually fed. So it's where you get spiritually fed. So really like the way Miles Monroe teaches about the kingdom, like your 10% is just your kingdom tax. You're really blessed on the over and above, right? The offerings. Um, but you have to start somewhere and he gives seed to the sower. You know, if you uh, go read Matthew chapter 25 verses 14 through 28, it's the parable of the talents. And I consider everything that I've been given as a gift, a talent. So that that's my body. That's my husband. That's my children. That's my house. That's my Range Rover that my husband bought me for my birthday that is um, myself, like the investment in myself. You know, I just invested, I told you, in a new coach. And basically what happens when you do that is you get a 5X return. The guy, the guy who buried the talent, he had to give his to these other ones that actually went out and did something with it. And so um, that's a, a really good Bible scripture and uh, reading on um, that it's really just, it's a principle of sowing and reaping. So yeah. thank you so much for your question. Any other question before we move on to the question? I just want to make sure because that was a good one. Or did we cover what you were asking? Oh, I accidentally muted him again, honey. Okay, um, unmute. And then... So you can put it in the chat. How about that? If you have another question, just stick it in the chat here and we'll come to it. So I want to, I want to come to some of the questions that were sent to me. Um, and a couple of them are, are basically the same. Um, so I'm a struggling, I'm struggling being submissive to my husband because he's not submitted to God. We have, um, and then I have, um, I'm a believer, but my husband really isn't. Um, how do I not be resentful and how do I be patient? Um, and then, you know, I feel like I'm the spiritual leader of the home. This is a wife talking. So let me just address all those because they're all the same. So again, for me, it was, I had to focus on myself. 
I couldn't focus on Kurt because see, wherever you're focusing at, that's where the energy and the intention go to. And again, you know, we have control over, you know, what we do. So for me, the being submissive thing is because I, I want to be obedient. I just want to be obedient. And so when I, I, I promise you that when the very last fight that my husband and I had, you know, knockdown drag out. And I asked the Lord, like, you know, I don't care. I'm like, you just tell me what to do and I will obey you. And when he tells me I had to stay, I'm like, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> I did not want to stay there. I wanted to flee, run to the hills as Judas priest used to sing, run to the hills. Like I wanted to run. Okay. But Jesus is like, Hey, you know what? The suffering, it actually led me to uh, a book, actually marriage on the rock and Jimmy and Karen Evans uh, and friends who are married, start working on your marriage and investing in your marriage. That's actually, honey, remind me to go back to that point. Okay. So there's four laws of love. All right. And we're to create love, protect love, promote love. The first law is priority. Okay. So marriage has to be first. Marriage doesn't work if it's second place, right? Before the kids, before work, before your business, before church, before sports, it doesn't work. Marriage only works when it's first place. Okay. So if you're the spouse that's submitted to God, right? But your other spouse isn't, you keep obedient. Okay. So no matter what, it doesn't tell you as a wife, it it doesn't say, Hey, you don't have to be submissive if he isn't, you still got to be obedient. Cause I believe with all my heart that when I laid that at Jesus feet, and actually when I laid my husband at Jesus feet, he is not my kid. He is not my kid. I'm not his mother. I am his partner. I am his suitable helper, right? So that word, um, it's, it tells us in Genesis that, you know, God created the man and he's like, man, brother, you need some help. All right. So we created Eve out of the best part of the man. Okay. And he said, so woman was actually the answer to the very first problem in the world, which, uh, which is man can't be alone. They are pretty dumb by themselves. Okay. I'm just being honest. Like, I'm not trying to be rude, but they're pretty dumb by themselves. And so God's like, you need a helper, a suitable helper. And so that word translates into warrior. And so for me, we we were talking about this with some of our other friends who live in Nashville. Like, so for me, I think about it like this. I'm like back here, I'm his blind spot. Like, so I can see some things, you know, and just as a woman, I'm going to have the ability to see things he doesn't. And so when a man is humble and there's not pride and ego in the way, he will let his wife be the suitable helper for him. Okay. But the priority is this is marriage comes first and you are one. All right. And so then it also has to do with pursuit, which is law number two. Okay. So pursuit. So it's work. It's work. And one of the questions I was asked is this is when your husband's an entrepreneur and, and. Um, they only have the ability to focus on one thing at a time. Um, their, their work is their life. They're, they've placed their identity in their work and they're working many, 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 many hours. And when they come home, they have the inability to be present when they are home, right? Because they're always thinking about work and they're always thinking about, you know, what we're going to do. And, 
you know, we can't focus on this. And, and so he's not spiritually leading the family and everything comes down to this women. This is the best advice I always give everybody is there's this thing called the looking glass theory. Okay. And the looking glass theory says people become who the most important person in their life thinks that they are. So when we can begin to really just start focusing on, all right, so take a piece of paper and I want you to write down every good quality about your husband. Okay. Every single good quality about your husband. And those are the things that you're going to focus on. Okay. Because that thing in our brain called the reticular activating system, which is responsible for the things that we notice, we get to program it. So if we're constantly focusing on, well, my husband's not doing this and my husband's not doing that. And then you're the nagging wife. And then it's a cyclical thing, you know, but when you start to really hone in on his gifts and then you start recognizing them out loud to him, like good job on this or start speaking life into him for the man that he was created to be and who I believe him to be versus the other, because Matthew 12, 34 says for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Okay. So if your heart is speaking, you know, if you plant a, a peach tree in the ground, you're growing a peach, you know, a peach, what do you call that seed in the ground, you're growing a peach tree, no matter what. So whatever kind of seed or word is what's going to grow up and sprout and, and grow. And so you have to take captive your thought. And I know feelings will lie to you. Feelings will lie to you. And let me tell you this, friends, love is not a feeling. Love is a commitment. You made it a covenant decision. I know a lot of people think marriage is a contract. Well, if it doesn't work out, you know, but see, that's called of the world people. That's what worldly people do. Well, if it doesn't work out, we'll just get a divorce. And you know what that does? It destroys an entire village, you know, and it's, it's a generational curse. So um, speak in what, speak to life, what you do want to happen. So that's a huge thing that I do in my, you know, for people who I coach is I have to you know, my coach does that for me. Like, let's watch your words now. Okay. Speak what you do want to happen. Stop speaking about what you don't want. Stop speaking about what is. Because it says in the Bible that we can call forth those things that are not as though they are. And so when we can start speaking the things that we want to happen in our life, that we want to happen in our husband, because I tell you what, if, if he's still of the world guy, he's got pride ego and he will do it, not do it just because you're griping for him to do it. So you got to take it to the closet, sisters. You got to go in your private room and you got to lay him at the feet of Jesus and you got to pray and you got to pray that he becomes the man that he was created to be, that you got to pray. And I, you know, this is something that I, I cover my whole family with the blood of Jesus every single morning of protection. And then I don't worry. I'm just, I don't, I don't worry because worry is sin, you know, and the Bible tells us not to worry. And, how, and why don't I worry? Because I believe that when I pray, it says, but, you know, pray and don't worry. And so my husband and I, you know, our two youngest are juniors in high school. And we, since it's summer here, like we're in bed and it's still sun up and my phone's on airplane mode and we go to bed. We sleep like babies and my kids may be still out. I go to sleep. It's, I just don't worry. So, um, there's honey, did I, anything you want to add to that whole struggling with being submissive? Um, 
he's not a believer yet, but she is, he just, you know, and one of them was, you know, he, he acts like they go to church, but I don't think it's genuine. You know, I think it's just a, uh, uh, I'm a Christian by title, but they're not somebody who's actively growing in a relationship with Jesus. They're not reading their Bible and growing in wisdom, which is, that's really one of the prayers that you need to start praying that he actually, Jesus grabs his heart. See, Jesus isn't chasing you know, like Jesus. You got to go to Jesus. It tells us in the Bible that we have to seek him. Now he's right here waiting. And as soon as you open the door, he's there, but he's not like, I'm here. Open the door. That's not, that's not how Jesus rolls. Like he's here, but you got to seek him. So this is one of the things that if you've ever saw um, the movie, um, what's the one honey uh, where he was an atheist and the true story. Christ. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what she did was she said, prayed, it was in, I think it's Ezekiel where make his heart of stone into a heart of flesh, you know? And so you just pray in the Holy spirit for that man, keep praying for him, keep praying blessings for him. And then you work on yourself. Cause see what happens is this is what happens. And we talked about that. So here is um, me and here's Kurt. And here's God up here. So as I'm growing and I'm getting closer to God, if he's not growing, then I'm not only getting closer to God, but I'm getting further away from him. And the things that may have attracted to me to Kurt before, like, you know, it's it's that physical attraction first. Those things don't even matter anymore. Like your wife or husband, whoever is doing the growing, you, they just won't be attracted to you anymore. Like the things that used to like it's, and then it becomes like a, like a resentment, like uh, one of the women said, and it's like, uh, it's really hard to be that submissive wife and, and, and give our husband and fulfill their needs. And I think about, uh, Jimmy Evans said this. So in heaven and hell, you're sitting at a dinner table across from your spouse. Right. And it's like, you have spatulas on the ends of your hands. And so there's so much that you can't like feed yourself. Right. So in heaven, each spouse is feeding the other spouse, right? And so this is servant. This is a servant marriage. It's, it's the it's the marriage of God's design. Each spouse is feeding and serving the other spouse. In hell, <laughs> it's the same table. They're sitting across from each other, but both of them starve because they both refuse to serve each other. Or maybe it's just the one spouse that's doing all the serving and waiting on the husband, you know, and, and again, I'm for marriage, but if there's that hardness of heart thing and, and, and if, if you're praying and, 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 you know, you just have to be listening to what the Lord wants you to do. The Lord told me to stay, even in the abuse you got, you can't go. You just have to be obedient to whatever God tells you. But the biggest thing is it's all about being two servant spouses and learning and everything you need to know is right here in your instruction manual, all kinds of verses on marriage from Genesis to Paul talks about it. It's Ephesians chapter five, you know, first Peter three. So if there are any husbands on here are going to listen, let me tell you what happens when you're not treating your wife, right? Right. Cause sin, it says this intimate intimacy, isn't possible in a sinful environment. Okay. So when you are sinning against your spouse with your words and your actions, intimacy isn't possible. 
And that's kind of what the honoring, you know, your wife is. So first Peter says, husbands in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, not as in like, you know, that kind of weak, but you know, they are physically stronger than we are. Right. So protection and security are, are one of our top needs. Right. Um, and as heirs with you and the gracious gifts so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So if the husband is being a douche, right? Then if he is a praying husband, guess what? Those, those prayers aren't getting, they're, they're not getting answered. So it's kind of like, it's that pride and ego, like pride is the first chapter in the book of failure. So um, I'm sorry, honey, I keep talking. I, do you have anything to say about any of that stuff? Because there's just a few more questions here that, yeah, I, I got a couple of questions that I want to answer too on the list. Um, so, you know, just to wrap up, like what you said is I do agree that like women, like pray for your husband. Like if you can't honestly say and you're in the midst of a battle in your marriage, which you probably will be in a battle for forever, but just make sure that it's it's a battle that's real and not, it's not made up in the in the mind because your perspective on situations will have a lot to do with how you look at things, right? I said that on my Facebook live today, like doing a 75 day hard where most people look at it as super hard because I can't have a drink of alcohol or I have to work out two days a week or two days, twice a day, or read a book, you know, for 10 pages, like, Oh my gosh, it's so hard. It's like, no, like, you know, that's not hard. You know, what's hard is what our military has to do on a day-to-day basis, leaving their family for months at a time or hard would be, waking up in a jail cell or living in a country where you can't get food, you know, or water, clean water, like that's hard. What we deal with in America is not hard. (laughs) So anyhow, you know, making sure that you're building up your, your man, you're praying for him. So if you can't honestly say that you've prayed for him every single day for the last however long, you know, I see people that will be married for 20 years. And once again, I want to say this, that if you've done this, if you listen to this and this has happened to you, like, you know, this isn't to hold anybody in condemnation. This is hopefully that maybe you didn't know, you know what I mean, what you're going to learn now. And that's the reason why that happened. Right. But, you know, it's like, hey, I've been married for 20 years and we see people that will get a divorce. And it's like, well, how long did you actually like do what needed to be done? before you just call it a quits. Like, did you actually pray for your spouse like every single day for even a week? <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause sometimes I'll ask people, I'm like, well, you actually praying for them? And it's like, no. And it's like, well, did you pray? Well, yeah, I tried once. It's like, what do you mean? Like you consistency is huge in any area of your life. Right. So pray on a daily basis for your spouse, male or female. Right. And then especially for the women, for us men, as I can tell you right now that yes, sex is probably going to be up there on every man's list as far as love language. But more importantly than that is respect is how you talk about him, you know, how you talk to him. You know, it's not always about what you say, it's how you say it. Almost 99% of men that I've talked to, when we talk about that one thing, we'll say that. It's it's not really what my wife says, it's how she says it to me. And it's like, man, if you could just have that one pivot on how you bring up things, how you change things, it would be huge. 
It's sarcasm. Like talk about sarcasm, honey. Yeah. Just get rid of it. But I mean, because there's always a little bit of truth to everything, right? You know, and those little digs add up, you know, a butter knife isn't as sharp as a steak knife, but eventually if you cut and keep cutting and keep cutting and keep cutting, eventually, you know, the damage is going to be done, you know? So you have to, you have to think about what kind of damage are you doing every single day by, you know, that, um, and then I'll just add, because it says here some marriage questions about, you know, how do we keep the romantic spark when you've been together for so long and tips on how to grow together and not apart. Those two kind of go together. Walks. Man, I love walking with Rachel where we just get out of the house. We're away from the kids, especially if you have young kids or even, you know, kids our age, like get out of the house and go for a walk and get outside and it allows you to communicate and talk about things that you might not be able to talk about in the, in the house. Right. You know, so walks, date nights, once a week, go on a date, right? Like once a week, go on a date. And then, you know, the last thing on the intimacy, I'm just going to be real. Like I think wife, you guys got to spice it up a little bit, you know, like men are visual, <laughs> Like you said it a second ago, for a lot of women, it might not be based upon looks, but for men, it is. So, you know, I mean, we are visual creatures. There is not sin, men, if you see another woman and you see that they're attractive or women, if you see your man notice something, don't be jealous that we are wired that way to notice. That's how we noticed you at one point. Okay. Where the sin is, is where we take the second look, the third look, man, when we begin to start visualizing our mind. So women, man, work hard to take care of yourself. You know, work hard to want to have that attractiveness to your husband. Show some skin. Get a little freaky in the bedroom, you know, within within reason, man. Like want, you know, like want to desire it. And, you know, and so anyhow. And again, like this is the whole spatulas on the ends of the hands thing. Like, it, you know, there's been times in our marriage where it's just a circle of, well, he's not, you know, one of the questions is, is my husband loves me in his love language. Okay. So love languages, right? So there's acts of service, there's gifts, there's words of affirmation, there's quality time, there's what's the one I'm missing? Either way. So the, say the husband think, you know, is thinking that the acts of service, the sex is her love language. And so he, he, he's, you know, gone all day long. Maybe he comes home and is checked out yet when it's time for bed, he's like, you know, that's not going to work. Like that's the, that isn't going to work. I mean, because if she's obedient, she'll do it, but she's just going to be doing it just to be obedient. And you don't want that. Okay. Is that what you really want? So it, again, it's, it's two servant partners. Okay. And then women, this is one of the last things I want to say, your identity is not in being a wife. Your identity is not in being a mom. Your identity is not in being a lawyer or a doctor in all the initials behind your name. You know, you know, initials are behind my name. I have initials behind my name, but the most important ones that are behind my name are D-O-T-K. 
daughter of the king. My identity is in Jesus Christ. And so anything that he does, you know, or doesn't do, that's on him because I know who I am. But also when I'm not getting treated in the way, in the manner I, sh- I know I deserve to be treated as being a daughter of the king, he will get checked. I know that he's not perfect. And this is the expectation thing that we really got to not place expectations on people because they will fail. All I can do is pray for the best. And when he does fail, because he will, and I will fail too, I will forgive him, but I will let him know. And again, it's all about in the manner you tell them and timing, you know, don't tell him after he's just walked in the door and, you know, and that's something that him and I have been working on or something I brought to his attention. I'm like, man, please reset before you walk in the door, please release all the tension and then bring energy in the house. Don't bring in everything that happened, you know, at GGE into the house. Let's, you know, re- take five minutes in the car and reset and bring energy in. And then I'm like, I'll do the same, you know, and again, him and I are not perfect at this, but my heart is pure. My heart is to make my heavenly father proud of me and be like, that's my girl. That's my girl. And that's my aim for everything I do. You know, I don't get it right, but my heart is pure period. Like, that's why I'm like, I don't get hung up on, you know, you know, not I'm flawed and I love being flawed because it's, that's the way that Jesus gets glorified in my life because I am flawed. I make mistakes. I don't cross my T's and dot my eyes all the time because my, I'm not looking for somebody to be, Ooh, look at her. I'm looking for what he says. So your identity is huge. Your identity, like, you know, is not in those businesses. It's in who you are. And, and also your reflection of your spouse. I mean, so I got, I got 90 seconds and I have a meeting at one o'clock. Um, so I want to say two things to you guys, if you are hearing this or you're watching this on live. Um, first of all is uh, she talked about expectations is, you know, trade your expectations for appreciation. Right. The moment that you're like, hey, you're always thinking, thinking, thinking. And if you're expecting something and every, you know, your whether it's your spouse, your kids are always going to act this way. They're always going to do this, that like you're setting yourself up for failure. I've done it. Rachel would probably say she's done. I mean, it's versus just appreciate, man, like, you know, everything that's going on. And it really goes back to, you know, your focus on, you know, what are you focusing on? Are you going to focus on the good? Are you going to focus on the bad? Because whatever you focus on or what you're looking for, you're going to find it. Yeah. So if you're looking for every reason why you can just bail, you're going to find it. If you're looking for every reason why your spouse is failing in this area or that, you're going to find it. So start, start with just figuring out what is good about your spouse. Um, And then the second thing I want to say is before I jump off is that, you know, you're going to fail. You know what I mean? You're going to mess up. And that's where forgiveness comes in. That's where grace comes in. And, you know, but you got to get going, you know, to win, you must begin. And so I want to end with, you know, look at this. This is Rachel's first episode. She had this desire, this, you know, sitting on the talk on the couch. Hey, honey, I've got this idea. I want to do it this way. What do you think? I don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but here's what I want to do and why I want to do it because she wants to serve people just like you who are listening to this so that you don't have to go through some of the things that we've had to go through or end up like some of the people that you may know because marriage 
is God design. It can be beautiful if you do it right. And that's why this, you know, show today existed. And so it wasn't perfect. We didn't have it all figured out, you know, you know, but we did it anyways. So can I just encourage you to just, you know, wherever at in your marriage specifically, if you heard something that you're like, I need to do that. I'm not, then just start doing it. You don't have to have it all figured out. Just start doing it. And especially the prayer thing and God will bless that. So I just want to say, you know, before I jump off here, Rach, good job, honey. I'm proud of you, you know, for taking this leap and doing this. I know that this will bless some people and uh, I love doing life with you. And um, that's it. Thank you, honey. I'm going to answer one more question. So I love you. I'll see you later when you get home. So, oh, yes, uh, you will be quiet. My friend said, um, actually, a woman's need is, is she needs to be able to be vulnerable with their husband. So that is one of those things. So maybe it's, you know, you, you reset first, but a man, and this is my husband will say this. He's not a good listener. <laughs> it, it's, he's just not a good listener. Um, and so sometimes I have to say to him, um, I don't need your, um, and, you know, cause men intuitively want to put their Mr. Fix hat on and fix. And for us, we just want to unload, you know, we just want to unload and be vulnerable and, and just talk to you. And so that's kind of one of our, how we feel honored is when we can just talk to you and you're actually listening, you know, and it's hard. I mean, we know that, you know, we, I'm talking to you at hundred percent, but you're only getting 25% of what I'm saying. Right. So I, I understand that in communication, but it's just the being present, you know, um, letting us talk to you or unload to you or, or we need to go get a therapist because <laughs> that's their job. Right. So I just want to make sure I, got all the questions here. Um, before we go, um, one of the things is this it's marriage is your marriage is priority. The priority is Jesus spouse, children, church, then the extended family. Did you see that church comes because when you marry, you leave and uh, cleave to your spouse. Okay. So you're no longer, you know, uh, a mama's boy, right? And because there's a saying that says a daughter's your daughter all your life, a son's a son until he meets his wife. And that's just the way it is. And so your wife becomes first place after Jesus. And that's the priority. It comes before, you know, this is for both spouses. The spouse comes before everything. It's number law. Number one priority, the law of priority. Marriage has to be first place. Marriage only works when it's first place. Well, guys, that's it for this episode of Real Talk with Rachel. Um, I thank you so much for the callers, for the questions. I I appreciate your support so much. Um, It's been a long road getting here. Uh, I wouldn't change it for anything because it's it's who it's made me into the the woman I am today that I can now turn around and serve and, and give back to my brothers and sisters in Christ. So we'll see you next time. Well, how's that for some real talk? Let me know if any of that resonated with you. Shoot me an email at rachel at racheltucker.com or connect with me on Facebook or Instagram. I'd love to hear your thoughts. See you next time.